All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. Is this a hockey show or a COVID show? This is the Daily Faceoff Show, streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com, Twitter, as well as YouTube. Today is Thursday, December 16th, and he's Mike McKenna, former NHL netminder, now daily face-off analyst. Mike, what's up? How you doing? Oh, just good living, man. We had some serious winds here in St. Louis last night. It's weird for December. And I'll tell you what, it kind of feels nice to have cold weather again. We'd had some warm weather, so it just feels more like hockey season around here once again in December. Yeah, and I'm sure all that wind bring back some flashbacks for people in your area. Uh, certainly dealt a tough hand last week with the tornadoes. Scary, scary stuff. Let's, uh, let's dive into the hockey talk. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and more COVID news. You see the Calgary Flames adding two players to their COVID-19 protocol list. After we signed off with the show yesterday, the Nashville Predators, six players, the Boston Bruins, three additional players today. And of course, the other news coming on the business end of hockey certainly wouldn't want to be working in the Maple Leafs or Sens ticket office at the moment, deciding which of the 50% of fans are allowed to go to the games starting on Saturday night with the 50% capacity limit that's been put in place in Ontario. We're told that that same or similar directive could follow in British Columbia, as well as something that they're talking about in Quebec as well. So certainly, Mike, all things to keep an eye on. What, what jumps out at you? Well, there's a couple things to keep an eye on for me, and especially from the player's perspective, you're thinking, man, we thought we were kind of getting through this in terms of the monetary aspect that 
Kerry Bettman's talking last week about, hey, our game's come back strong. All our all of our clubs got through this very well. Well, we're not through this. And the expectations that revenues would be back to the point in a couple of years where players were able to pay back what they owed from the COVID pause and from the escrow factor that's been involved. You kind of wonder, is that going to continue to get kicked down the can down the road if you can't get all the fans back in the building because the NHL is so gate driven? And I think also you're looking at the restrictions that players face, the new uh, things that are going to be coming back in, the masking, the inability to eat out in restaurants while you're on the road. Some of those things that the players really, really disliked in the last year and a half in the bubble and during COVID protocol last season, they appear to be coming back, Frank. It wasn't a lot of fun for them, but it is their job. They're going to get through it. But it's just a stark reminder, man. We are not through this yet. It's a half-step measure that we've seen the NHL take with these enhanced protocols. You hit on them daily testing now as opposed to once every 72 hours. The masking, the increased social distance in the arena and in the locker room setting, as well as no eating out in restaurants on the road. So, um, you know, I think one thing that is not part of that protocol, and we can continue to talk about it in topic two, Mike, one frustration that's been voiced to me among players is why is there not a change coming when it when it comes to the protocol and dealing with asymptomatic players. You saw news from the NFL owners meetings that took place in Texas yesterday. Well, they're instituting a change or about to institute a change that involves asymptomatic players requiring just one negative test to rejoin the team. You can expedite that 10-day window. The NHL still has it at two negative tests spaced 24 hours apart. That's a change that the players would like to see. The vast majority of players that have tested positive for COVID-19 so far this season, it's now up to 164 players, more than 21% of the league. They're saying, well, if I'm asymptomatic, can I join the team more quickly? I'm told that it's something that the NHL had talked about in terms of their uh, medical meetings with medical experts, but it's not something that they're considering at the moment. And the reason for that is threefold. One, you've got border concerns and interests um, that, you know, just look at the Carolina Hurricanes and what they've been dealing with. Um, you know, they had Seth Jarvis and Sebastian Ajo that were um, stuck in Vancouver. They needed to get chartered out or medevaced out, um, you know, to just to get back into the U.S. to continue their quarantine. So the border issue is one. Dealing with these local health and, and provincial health authorities is another. You see the restrictions that we just talked about getting put into place in places like Ontario, potentially BC and Quebec. So you need to keep an eye on that. Those regulations and health authorities aren't going to want to see the COVID protocols going the other direction. They want to see them enhanced. And the other part is the idea of keeping families and, and people around players safe as well. You know, that's one thing, just because you're asymptomatic, if you're able to spread the or transmit the virus, well, doesn't mean the person that gets it will also be asymptomatic. I'm told specifically with the Calgary Flames, there have been multiple, multiple positive tests that have come up from players' families as well, which is certainly something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's greater than just the players. You know, we're not just pawns in the, the bigger chess game here. The virus gets affected by everybody, and I'm not a medical prep professional by any stretch, but I think it is still trying to continue to, to subdue the spread of this thing and to slow it down at least and make it containable so that you don't, one, have to miss games, and two, it's not going out into the world as much as possible. And, you know, I, I look at the Predators from their situation here. I mean, it's just 
it's amazing to think what they have to do to ice a team right now. They're calling up coaches mm. from Milwaukee. Okay, so like this is this is a ramification that reaches not just the NHL, but down to the American Hockey League throughout organizations, a lot of moving parts. It just shows how interconnected we are. I mean, Carl Taylor and Scott Ford, coaches of the Milwaukee Admirals, are going to come up and assist Dan Hynote on the bench this evening against the Red Wings. So are against the Avalanche, which, by the way, here come the Avalanche when you have a depleted lineup for the Nashville Predators and Carolina Hurricanes yeah. are kind of the same spot. You know, they're going to be two men down. Look at, look at the Canes. I mean, right. this is our daily faceoff lineup. They're going to go with look 10 at, and 6, 10 forwards, yeah. 6 defensemen tonight. And a lot of that is for cap reasons that they, right. you know, first need to play a game short before then getting the, the emergency ability to recall those players. So you have general managers behind the scenes that are clamoring for some cap relief. It hasn't happened to this point and for, it, it would kind yeah. of be unfair for other teams that have gone through it and have battled through, you know, six, seven guys out of their lineup and dealt with the cap ramifications. Uh, so that's part of it, the cap. The other part is the roster. Do we see taxi squads coming back? All this COVID stuff, you know, this conversation, I, you know, I think a lot of people had assumed that we might be passed. Mike, mm -hmm. uh, as, as you said, and to your point, not going anywhere. But let's bring yeah. the conversation back to the ice a little bit. An intriguing note from Elliot Friedman in his 32 Thoughts column on sportsnet.ca a couple days ago, and that was the idea of the Arizona Coyotes taking calls on Jacob Chikrin. They're all-star defenseman, 18 goals last season. I know, Mike, you followed him pretty closely and have done a deep dive on his career and his production, but a down year in terms of production, a fantastic contract. Um, I think when you're looking at the Coyotes and where they're heading, they could probably use six Jacob Chikrins and, and not zero of them. But, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to, for Bill Armstrong, their general manager, you know, what kind of calls are we receiving? And, mm -hmm. you know, where does this head? You know, are we going to get an offer that we can't refuse to help continue to jumpstart where we're at with our rebuild and that process? Well, that's the interesting question. What would an offer be? For Jacob Chikrin. I mean, last season, 18 goals, like I, I watched him play a lot. And I thought that Jacob Chikrin was, if he wasn't a lock for the Canadian Olympic team, he was definitely within that conversation, right on the cusp of becoming a star in the league. I thought he was the Arizona Coyotes' best player last season. He controlled play. He controlled the power play. Everything went through him. He had some bite to his game. This year just started off so poorly. He's got two goals. He's negative 29 on plus minus. Like He's eating up minutes but it is not going well with that team. And a lot of it's fallen on his shoulders. And ironically, Shane Gostisbehere has taken over the point production in Arizona. So what is Chikrin worth? Is he worth what we thought he was as a player and what he really should be? Because I still believe he is one of the more dynamic defensemen in the National Hockey League, but he's got to reclaim that title. He's got to reclaim that ability in his game. So I'm not sure if, he's be, if they'd be able to sell high on him right now, or if they'd even be able to get something they'd like, but that contract is really friendly. And this is a player who is much better than he's showed so far this year. It's been a miserable season in Arizona. It's gotten a little bit better recently, but I'm not sure what it is. He was untouchable last summer, I think, Frank. And, and it, it is surprising to hear his name dropped out there, but when you're in a rebuild, just about anything's possible for GM Bill Armstrong. Well, and I, I think that's really the point. And, and as best as I could tell, based on the conversations and the intel that I've gathered, it's the Arizona Coyotes are not trying to move Jacob Chikrin. I think that mm -hmm. there have been a number of teams that look at his production this season, look at where the Coyotes are trending. They're saying, is this guy unhappy? Could we potentially pry him out of here? And I think if you're Bill Armstrong, you're not in a position where you're, you know, given where you are as in the rebuild, as you just talked about, 
you're not slamming down the phone or you're not not taking calls when someone's yeah. uh, calling about you'll your players. So again, you'll listen to anybody. And I think that's the point um, here. And I, I don't think the Coyotes, I don't think anything's imminent. I don't think Jacob Chikrin, I know that Jacob Chikrin to this point has not asked out. So we'll continue to monitor that situation as well. Wanted to have a little fun here, Mike. One thing that's popped up this season in terms of a negative trend, and we'd never admonish fans or tell them, you know, these are the paying customers. I'm not going to tell them what to do. You get to, you buy a ticket, you get to say and do to a certain extent what you want. But I think a lot of people watch what's happened in Canada. Four teams now, fan bases have thrown a jersey on the ice this season the Habs, the Leafs, the Canucks, and the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm sitting here going, what gives? Why do people think that that's something that they want to do? I, man, it's just, it's copycats first off. I mean, <laughs> fans are looking at Vancouver. We even called this. We said, okay, Jersey goes on the ice of Vancouver. Watch it happen all around the league. Like, Frank, here we are. We're seeing it. But from a player's perspective, man, it's so disrespectful and it really irks you. And I, I've got two rules coaching 8U hockey with parents and with locker rooms. My first rule is that parents have to wear closed-toed shoes at all times because I don't want to see anybody lose a digit. But the other <laughs> one is that the jersey never touches the floor. Like, Frank, when you played hockey as a kid, wasn't that always a rule? There's nothing I can think of more disrespectful than tossing a jersey. But what are they really trying to accomplish here with some of these? I mean, like, really, Edmonton were tossing jerseys? What are they saying? Like, what's your point here? Are you just... Have you just have too many Molsons and you want to toss a jersey out there? Like, what are they going to try to get across with this, Frank? Well, oddly, it's worked in some circumstances. You think back to the Canucks, that night that they tossed the jersey, Jim Benning was fired the next morning. You think of the Toronto Maple Leafs and all that's occurred in, in their last decade. Some of the lowest moments were when jerseys were tossed on the ice. The Leafs are in first place. The Edmonton Oilers spent a long stretch of this season to this point in first place. I don't necessarily under, understand the reaction in either market. And I get both sides saying, you know, look, nothing, you know, regular season success doesn't matter until you prove it in the playoffs. But I feel like the jersey throw is the is the hockey fan equivalent of either biting or spitting. Like it's like a it's a it's a new low. Bags over your head. <laughs> it's, it's even worse. That, than that, that that at least feels a little bit more respectful because you show up, yes. you pay money, you wear, you're still wearing the jersey, but you're like, I'm voicing my dis disapproval here. The jersey toss is like saying, you know, I'm done with you, and I, I right. don't know that that it's uh it's a weird feeling. How could any self-respecting fan of a team throw their jersey on the ice? That's what I can't. I couldn't see all these jerseys sitting around me. If one of these hit the floor, I'd feel terrible about myself because I have an attachment to these jerseys. They meant something to me, and they should as a fan. But you pay your oh. money. You enjoy the game. You have the right to do what you want. I just think you look like a total clown when you toss it out there. That's my opinion. Uh, hey, it's fair. And, uh, you know, if you don't want your jersey anymore, just send it to Mike. He'll put it in his closet of fame. There. So <laughs> let's uh, let's space. dive into some goalie talk with Mike on another edition of the Blue Paint. All right, Mike, it's time for another edition of The Blue Paint with Mike McKenna. And one of my favorite stories on dailyfaceoff.com this season so far has been your tandem rankings for goaltenders 1 to 32. Put a stake in the ground. Here's where I'm ranking everyone. Well, you went back and audited that list. It's only been a few months in the season, but we're keeping it fresh on dailyfaceoff.com. And you re-ranked your tandems. There's been some movers and shakers. You've got a new top three. Do you sense a theme there with that group? 
There definitely is. And at the top of the heap right now is the Calgary Flames. In my eyes, whether it's Jacob Markstrom or Dan Vladar, this team is the top of the field. But when you look at the top three teams in my rankings, the theme to it is that the backup goaltender has performed, and there were question marks in all three cases. You look at Eric Comrie, how he's come in and provide good support for Connor Hellebuck, 913 save percentage. Brian Elliott, I wasn't sure how he would do after a couple of middling seasons with the Philadelphia Flyers. I was unsure. He's given good relief to Andre Vasilevsky, and Vladar has been the surprise of everybody so far. When you combine those three backup goaltenders, they're 11-5-2 combined this season. That's really important for their clubs. But look at the Calgary Flames right now. It really doesn't matter which goalie is in the net. And the surprising factor is Vladar was essentially passed over by the Boston Bruins. Swayman takes the role in Boston. They let him go to the Calgary Flames, Vladar that is, for a third-round draft pick. And it's paid off for Calgary. Calgary was a team that was actively looking for a backup goalie on the UFA market. They were looking to trade. Well, they went off the board a bit with Vladar. It has paid off. Their advanced numbers are great. Markstrom's under a two goals against playing with a ton of confidence. So um, the common theme here, again, is, is the backup goaltenders have provided the support they need. And then the starting goalies, of course, have done everything that they've been expected to do in those markets. Maybe the common theme with the Calgary Flames also, maybe they're the best pure experiment we have had yet of the ability of a coach to impact his goaltenders and his statistics. 100%. So, uh, certainly something that we'll keep an eye on. Uh, so if you've had some teams rising, that means you've also had some teams falling. Talk to me about the Isles, Habs, and the Abs. Well, this was a living, breathing list, and I'm freely going to admit that my top teams at the start of the year before we played any games have fallen. Uh, the first one you look at is the New York Islanders. Had them ranked first overall, thought under Barry Trotz that defensive structure really supported Sorokin and Varlamov. Well, Sorokin has been fantastic. 924 save percentage and potentially could be the all-star selection for the Islanders because they don't have a lot else going on there. But Semyon Varlamov has not been himself. He's 0-5-1 to start the season. His numbers don't look great. He hasn't found his groove. So I had the Islanders down from 1-14, to purely based on the fact that that was a tandem previously and it's not performing. The Canadians, geez. I mean, 2-27, to they miss Carey Price like crazy. Jake Allen is a great goaltender in a supporting role. It's somebody I believe can be in a number one role. But he needs a team around him. He's done everything he can, and he's had to play a ton of games. 23 total so far. Samuel Montembeau uh, was picked up off waivers by Florida and just hasn't been able to grab it again in a tough scenario. And the Avalanche, this one may surprise everybody. I had them number three. I had Darcy Kemper as my Vezina Trophy winner this season. I'll say this. As of late, the last couple of games, Darcy Kemper has improved quite a bit. But to start the season, man, his goal save above expected was in the bottom of the league, his save percentage for a long time was hovering about 90% when his career's 9-1-6. He keeps winning, but there's been question marks there about Kemper. And on top of that, he hasn't had any supporting help. Jonas Johansson struggled. Pavel Francouz hasn't been in the league for a while now. Now he's coming back off of that long-term injury. So there's just straight-up question marks I still feel in Colorado come goaltending. Um, but these three teams here, all moving the wrong direction in my eyes. Of course there's still a lot of time left in the season has anyone moved in the wrong direction as much as the seattle kraken no nobody has this was my number four pick i really thought that philip grubauer signing that big free agent contract going you know six by six to the kraken really was going to be able to solidify their crease well 
it worked in Colorado and it's not working in Seattle. To me, when I watch Grubauer play, even last night uh, before he was he came out of the game due to injury, he just looks like he's trying too hard. He's so far out of his crease. His feet aren't set. His post integrations what weren't aren't what they were in Colorado. And Chris Drieger hasn't really had much of a chance to to, to gain any workload. He's been out of the lineup early. They've tried to let Grubauer play his way out of it, and he just keeps spinning his tires. So big disappointment in Seattle so far come their goaltending. They went from 4 to 32 on my list. Wow. All right, well, I want you to break out your crystal ball. Who could you see trending in the right direction to be a rising team as the season moves on? Well, one team, and quickly, if Tuka Rask comes back, Keep an eye on the Boston Bruins. They've been pretty good with Olmark and Swayman. They could have more. Keep an eye on them. But I really think Nashville. You're could a big Tukarask guy, huh? I, I I am. I believe Tukarask is one of the best goalies in the world, and he has been for a long time. He's underappreciated in the Boston market because his name isn't Tim Thomas, and he doesn't grow a mustache like him and try to fight people as often, and he hasn't won a Stanley Cup either. But keep your eye on Nashville. I had him 12 to start the year. They're 15 now. Uh, in the last week since I wrote that article, I would have them higher. I think UC Soros has been on a tear. He's won five of his last six games. Two of those were shutouts. He's carrying the mail. David Riddick is 3-1. and one. His numbers aren't great. My only concern here is that they run Soros into the ground. He's been playing nonstop. You'd like to see a few more games from Riddick, uh, but I really think that Soros last year should have been a Vezina finalist. Started off the year really well this year, and he keeps getting better as it goes. Keep an eye on the Nashville Predators. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tim Thomas's mustache. I mean, to be fair, few can grow a mustache quite like Tim Thomas. Uh, thank you, Mike, for all that insight, not just in the crease, but also on the upper lip as well. This has been another edition of The Blue Paint. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. And this one's pretty simple. What will the NHL do from a scheduling standpoint this season if the players don't go to the Olympics? And it feels funny even asking that question, given all that we talked about in the first couple blocks of the show. NHL players, Olympics? It seems almost like a foregone conclusion that they're not going at this point. But here's the answer to the question as far as I know it. They're going to have a very difficult time dropping games into that window because about 26 or 27 of the NHL teams have a very limited building availability window. Mm -hmm. Think about how COVID impacted the hockey season. Well, it was a lot worse in the concert and show business. They wanted to get back touring. They hadn't for so long. And these teams and, and arenas saw, oh, wait, Hockey's not here for three weeks. Let's jam as many dates as we can into the calendar in February. So there's a handful of teams. You know, maybe you could potentially reschedule some games in some off nights for games that have been postponed. But by and large, if there's no NHL players going to the Olympics, it could be a pretty quiet and dark time on the NHL schedule. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is because we kind of, you know, we look back with this with a little bit of jaded eyes thinking of last season when, well, we can just move games around. Well, that's because... The NHL was the only thing going on, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. the, it, it, there weren't a concerts, there weren't monster trucks coming in. There weren't these different, uh, different, you know, entertainment options. The circus, ice shows. The, I, yeah, mean, it's like, it, I mean, like all sorts of Disney stuff. Disney on ice is coming in, right? You want to see Cinderella yeah. do a, you know, 
triple axel. Well, you can see that now, but it's at the expense of rescheduling your NHL games. So it's just, it's a logistical nightmare in a lot of ways. And I also think too, in some eyes, GMs may be looking at this going, man, we still have some banged up players. This may not be a bad deal if we just let people get healthy for a few weeks. So scheduling first, and I think everything else comes after that. Yeah, I don't think anyone would appreciate a, a dark period in terms of the schedule, not having hockey at such a tr traditional time of year, especially after the Super Bowl is wrapped. But in this case, I tend to look at the bright side here, thinking that we could see some of the best hockey ever played in March and April if players get a pretty significant break like that. So yeah. there is a silver lining there. Let's get to our daily face-off best bets of the day. Tyler Uremchuk, are you going to be hammering the teams that are missing players tonight? Uh, not quite hammering the teams that are missing players, although before the show we were chatting about this, and if you were to parlay the three teams going up against the most shorthanded groups, it actually pays out plus 600, so if you want to have a little fun tonight with a parlay, there's an option, but I am going to one of those matchups, and let's dig into it courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. Colorado taking on the Nashville Predators. The Preds have made some recalls, so they're maybe not going to be quite as shorthanded as we initially thought, but the bottom line is, they're going to be playing a lot of American League players, and Colorado is rolling. I mean, both these teams are on five-game winning streaks, but Colorado's got five wins in a row, all of them coming in regulation. They're missing Taves and Landeskog, but they're not as shorthanded as Nashville. They're a really good team. I expect them to be winning that division, and, you know, the UC Sorrow start maybe scares me a little bit, but I think Colorado should roll over Nashville in this matchup, and I'm taking them in regulation at minus 110, and my second play of the day, going back to the old assist prop. It's been treating me pretty good. Last night, Ovechkin picked one up with like three seconds on the clock in that game, but hey, a win's a win. We got our money. Tonight, I'm going Steven Stamkos to pick up an assist. The Senators shut out the Lightning over the weekend. I don't think they're going to do it again. I think Tampa generates a little bit of offense here. Stamkos has picked up an assist in four of his last five games and seven of his last 10 games. The minus 130 payout is implied odds of about 56%. Okay, well, he's been hitting it 70% of the time over the last 10 games. So I like Stamkos to pick up at least an assist in this hockey game, paying out minus 130, taking that in Colorado and hoping for a sweep tonight, Frank. Stamkos has been incredibly productive. Another OV stat leading the league in points. That assist story is, is really one of the stories of the year in terms yeah. of his production and how he's sort of flipped his usual on its head the first time in six years that Ovi is leading the National Hockey League in scoring after the first day of the season. That is our daily face-off best bets of the day. It's now time for my favorite segment of the show, and that would be garbage time. Mike, what, uh, what has you excited? Man, how about LeBron James? Tossing on a Penguins jersey. And of course, it's got meaning to it. LeBron James doesn't do anything without his branding in mind. Guess what? He is now a minority partner in the Pittsburgh Penguins because last year in March, he joined the Fenway Sports Group as a partner. So in, honor, in, in order to celebrate that, he decides to wear a Penguins jersey before the Lakers Mavericks game on Wednesday. And I love it. They captioned it, Le Magnifique. Pardon my terrible French. Uh, but six for LeBron, the jersey he's wearing with the Lakers. And Le Magnifique, of course, 66, Mario Lemieux. I just think it's a cool synergy. And uh, the more that we can have people in other sports kind of cross-pollinate and be able to bring our game into the mainstream, of course, there's nobody bigger than LeBron James. So I think it's cool. I understand it's a marketing ploy. It's a bit of branding. But I think it's good for everybody in hockey. 
Oh, it's great. Now I know exactly what to get Mike McKenna for Christmas, a LeBron James jersey because he's apparently apparently a fanboy and also yeah. a subscription to Rosetta Stone so you can work on your French. Congratulations. Merci that beaucoup. made my shopping really easy. And that is all the time that we have for the Daily Faceoff show. Thanks so much for watching. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis and all the happenings in the COVID-19 front as more and more NHL players continue to get added to the protocol. We've had a great live blog from Zach Lang on there. Uh, so keep it going, Zach. And thanks to everyone who does their work behind the scenes. Mike, Alex Allard, and Tyler, of course. So that's all that we have for today. We'll be right back here tomorrow for another edition, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.